my God. DB should have been a DB. Donnie Batney. What up, boss? What's up, man? How are you How doing? I'm blessed, bro. I'm blessed, man. It's great. Great weather out here in Boston. So, so I feel like it's every time that we speak, I say that line. DB should have been a DB. Do you remember why I said that? I say that like every single time for the last, what, five, six, seven, eight years? Yeah, more than that, man. I think we were, we were working together in uh, like 2008. So It was that long ago? Yeah, man. So that's, that's uh, like 12 years ago now. How about that? Um, yeah. But, I, but from my recollection, I think it started because we, uh, we were working out at LA Fitness. And I told you I played, I walked onto the basketball team in college. You were like, dude, you're too strong to be a basketball player. <laughs> you should have played football. And I know we played, like, we played, you know, like, some, some adult play football, you know, joints and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think that was where it started. You just said I was too strong to be a, uh, to be a basketball player. So, too strong, but then also your size, your height. Uh, yeah, yeah, you said, so, it's not like you're 6'5". Yeah, but you're too strong. <laughs> so, for those who don't, yeah, those who don't see you, I'm what? Fine, no. Five nine. Five nine. Five nine. And so you're strong, you're five nine. I've been around DBs. You're built like a DB. You have a uh the mindset like a DB. So DB and then also it's your initials, Donnie Bentley, so it makes sense. DB no DB should have been a DB. So before we get into it, to start the pod off, we have warm-up questions. You know the importance of stretching, being an athlete, warm-up questions. So I know your love for basketball. If you had to build a team around one individual during their prime, Grant Hill or Penny Hardaway, who are you going with? Man, so I grew up in Michigan, so you know I got to see a lot of G Hill. Uh, so I, I go with Grant uh, with no hesitation. No hesitation. Nah. Yeah, I think I think, but minus injuries, man, he was just on on a uh, trajectory to be considered one of the greatest we've ever seen. So, uh, he, was, he was amazing. G-Hill. Next question for you. I know you love music. If you were a wrestler, what would be your interest song? <laughs> um, so, there's this song, man. It's, it's actually this new song. Uh, oh, you going new school? Yeah, it's a new joint, man. So, um... I just need to, so it's, 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 uh, the title is Born to be Champion. Um, and, uh, yeah, Born to be Champions, uh, by the group Unsecret. I'm not hip, Unsecret. Yep, it's called Born to be Champions. You want to give us a little sample? You want to sing a little bit? No, nah, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it because it's, it's, uh, but it's, I, I'll send it to you. Because uh, I, I, I don't know if we can play it on the pod. Or Fair enough. But we can find it and then maybe like you know loop it in or something like that. Yes, yeah. you have it with you. It's one of it's one of my big big uh, you know inspirational songs that I try to listen to every morning. Okay. So the concept is just you know like the the, the essence of you know kind of everything that we were we were all born to be champions and it's just a it's 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 like an anthem. The, t- the, the title long. The title Amazing. long is strong. Amazing. Yep. Last one for you. You have your own late night show. Who do you invite as your first guest? Your own late night show. 
Who do you invite as your first guest? Man. Um, so I think my first guest, man, if I had a late night show, um, there's a few people that like I really, really admire that now, I look at. No, 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 no not your second, not your third. Right. I only need one. Alright, yeah. So my first my first one that I would invite uh for my late night show, my very first guest would be I'm gonna say LeBron James. Okay. Why is that? Tell us more. Just my admiration for him, man. I think, you know, as a, uh, you know, more so like the business side uh, of things, uh, I've been doing a lot of reading about what him and uh, Maverick and Rich and, you know, the rest of the team have really built. Um, I just have a huge admiration for kind of his vision, um, you know, coming in from the time he was, you know, 18, turning down a $10 million check, you know, from Reebok to then going to Nike and, what they're doing, Blaze Pizza, all this kind of stuff. So just getting a chance to talk to him a little bit more about his vision, um, you know, and, uh, for what he's looking to build generationally. Uh, and then also I think he's an amazing father. And, uh, you know, my daughter's nine months old. Um, you know, Zuri's a little bit older, obviously, but um, just get a chance to chop it up with him. And I think he's – I think we're going to be really cool friends one day. So, I dig it. I dig uh, it. I'm just – Throwing that out into the atmosphere. I'm with that. I mean, I mean, you get along with Ohio, Ohio boys pretty easily anyway, being an Ohio native. You know what I mean? Come on, O-H-I-O. That's a great first guess. So so your mom's from Cleveland, but you were born in Michigan. So tell us about your early beginnings, your hometown, what school you went to. Talk to us. Yeah, so uh, I was born in California. Um, my pops and his family are from Cali. Um, so oh, I didn't. I don't know you. I know you know California. So what part of Cali? I didn't know you were born in Cali. Yeah, San Bernardino. So, okay. Um, my, my most of my dad's family is from LA County down. Um, you know, we got a couple cousins in the Bay, but uh, most of my family is from Southern California on my dad's side. So we were born out there, and then my parents kind of migrated, uh, you know, back east. So we moved to uh, they moved to Michigan when I was five. Five. Okay, um, that's the Michigan. Okay. Lived, yeah. Grew up in a uh, really small town. Technically, it's a, a village, if you look it up. It's called Berrien Springs, Michigan. Uh, Andrews University is there. It's a small Christian university. My mom's worked there for forever. Um, population is about 2,500 people. And the two wow. most famous people from the town, um, one is uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Muhammad. Um, Muhammad Ali. So he, uh, he actually bought a home there. Uh, when he retired, and his home was about two and a half miles from uh, my parents' house. How about and so that? So I used to, well, one and a half miles, correction. So I used to wake up at like 5 a.m. Uh, in high school, and I'd run down, touch the gate, and, uh, you know, run back home. So that was my three miles. I used to run every morning. Now, isn't and, uh, he, isn't uh, Ali associated with Louisville? Yeah, so he was born there, you know, raised there. But just as he retired, like in his later years, he he, he lived in Michigan Got you. for a long time. Okay, specifically specifically the town I grew up in. So, I follow. Um, and then and he bought the home of the other person who's you know I, I'd argue probably just as famous, but definitely more infamous. Just as famous. And that was Al Capone. Ooh. So Al Capone, you know, things got pretty dangerous, like in Chicago. So he wanted, but he wanted to be close enough. Uh, to keep an eye on his business and stuff like that. So he just moved across the lake. Um, so, 
you know, there's a lot of tunnels in the house and stuff where they use the bootleg, and, you know, take the take the barrels down to the uh, to the river, and then they they take them across uh, Lake Michigan to Chicago. Wow. Um, so that's my, you know, that's the little town I grew up in, man, a little farming community. Um, but with the university there, you know, kind of gave it an international feel. It was, uh, it was really dope. It, so- um, it sounds like a somewhat of a, a hidden gem or a getaway for uh, for famous <laughs> folks. So maybe you should be sharing too much information because there's probably more people there or have a presence there. They're just not letting people know. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's, a, that's a strong possibility, man, for sure. Um, you know, the town's come a long way. Um, and then growing up, you know, just with Midwest values, I think was, was really strong. Uh, also growing up in a small town, um, you know, it, it allowed us at least at that time growing up to play sports. Right. Yep. So, that was um, time. I started playing baseball. My parents signed me up for baseball as soon as we moved there. Uh, so I started playing baseball when I was five. Um, and you, you appreciate this growing up, you know, when we grew up, you know, we played sports according to the season. Right? Correct. So, you know, I, I started playing baseball because we moved there in the summer. Um, I played uh, soccer in the fall and then played basketball in the winter. And so, you know, that was kind of my, that was kind of my cycle. Um, and I guess if I would have known you, I would have played football in the spring, right? But <laughs> I, I just started, you know, we kind of started, like, uh, you know, practice for baseball and stuff like that. Um, you know, so played, um, you know, play sports, you know, all the way up through college. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you back. I, oh, I was about yeah, to. I'm glad you brought up baseball because yeah. I was actually pretty good at baseball growing up. Who was your favorite yeah. baseball player growing up? Who, who Ooh, did you look up to? Man, yeah, I had a, I had a bunch, man. But uh, basically, I love the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Indians. Kenny uh, Lofton. My in? father took us to games. Who, who you going with then, Kenny Lofton? Yeah, man. Like I was kind of like an Omar Vizquel. Oh, Cindy Alomar. Okay. Because um, I was a catcher. So that's yep. Uh, but I mean, I love I love Kenny. Obviously, um, you know, I started playing more. I, I, the older I got, I started playing a little bit more outfield. Uh, you know, kind of utility guys. So uh, loved him, but definitely Omar Vizquel and uh, Sandy Alomar. They were my dudes. They had a strong team then. The Indians, man. Cleveland, Albert Bell, man. I used to. <laughs> my swing wasn't exactly like Albert Bell, but I used to love kind of. Mocking because he had like a really short swing. Okay, just so strong. Yeah, big um, strong with the little bat. <laughs> <laughs> hit that ball a mile, man. A, a mile, man. So um, they were my favorite team, man. Growing up, just you know, just off the strength that you know they were basically the first team that I, I got to go see live. Um, so I really, really loved them, and uh, I also got to see a lot of uh, Sean Dunstan. And uh, and Andre Dawson because you know we were closer to Chicago, right? Um, so you know I, I like them a lot too. Growing up, I was a Ricky Henderson guy. I try to emulate his Ooh. stands and everything. Ricky Ricky Henderson was my guy. I try to steal bases like him. I can see that man. Yeah, and, and like he had the wiggle with the bat and stuff. So that was, that's really your swag. Yeah, man. Ricky Henderson, that. man. Shout out to Ricky Henderson. <laughs> Shout out to baseball. That's awesome. Yep. Shout out to baseball. Speaking of baseball, I mean, with this time of quarantine, I mean, what do you think about professional sports returning? I mean, pick any, pick any one. You want to take NBA, you want to take uh, Major League Baseball or the NFL? Speak to one of them. Yeah, man. So um, I'm gonna pick. I'll pick basketball uh, just because that's the one that I, I know the most about, uh, both from some kind of 
inside, you know, perspectives and stuff that I have, uh, you know, from, from basketball. So uh, it's going to be interesting, man. Coming up, you know, June 1st, I think we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll hear the final decision. But I think there's a strong possibility in my mind that, you know, they're going to actually continue the season, you know, do playoffs in the championship. And if I had to bet, um, I would say it's probably going to happen in, in the state where you live now. So I think it's going to happen in Orlando um, at the uh, Worldwide World of Sports, man. So they can kind of, you know, just keep it, uh, you know, as contained as possible. Uh, I think they have enough space there uh, and obviously facilities, um, you know, to be able to do it. So uh, it'll be interesting, man. And then, uh, you know, it, I think it, you can you can test and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's coming back. Uh, the NFL, I don't know, man, because I, I, I just feel like we don't know. There's so much we don't know about right. COVID-19. Yeah. And, you know, the weather's warm here and, and all that. I've, I've seen more people outside without masks on, you know, just over the past few days. I, I and, don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, people don't read, man. You know, I, I, I think, you know, anybody who gets a chance to listen to this or, or anything else, I think just checking even recent history, you know, just 100 years ago, you know, with the Spanish flu, right? I mean, um, they were social distancing and quarantining in the summer, uh, we ended up winning, you know, the war that we were in, you know, kind of later that year. And, you know, people were out in the streets celebrating and stuff like that. That was more like, you know, October, November kind of time frame, I think. Right. Um, you know, long story short, uh, it came back and, you know, more people actually ended up passing away, you know, during that time, uh, you know, within like the next month or two, than even died in the war. So, you know, I think just, you know, folks being responsible and at least wearing masks, you know, it could be important, but I think I think the NFL could still come back, man. And, and as long as we have tests, uh, I think sports will come back in general. Um, there's some really smart people, you know, doing that work, and um, I think they'll come back. I just don't think sports, as we've grown up on it, with fans, is going to come back as quickly. I agree. I agree. Um, this is headed towards a new normal, and so yeah. we won't go back to where we once were. It may not be as isolated as we as some of us are now. But there's going to be a new normal and people are going to have to be able to adjust and change and change to it. I was even uh, listening to something how universities may have to uh, adjust how they uh, operate and, and yeah. you know, what the remote learning is. One thing is pretty funny that I heard someone say now that the uh, students she actually at both levels, you know, grade school level or at the university level. Now that they're at home and parents are hearing what they're doing, it was like, hold on, like the university level, I'm paying this much for what? <laughs> Is that what y'all doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm getting charged that much, so it's gonna be interesting I've to actually, see. I've actually heard, you know, the opposite, man, from like you know some of my colleagues, and maybe this is just the, the lower grades. Um, but you know, parents that you know are having to become teachers at home, I've heard more. You know, my 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 in laws and colleagues and stuff were like, yo, teachers get more. I have heard that at the, at the I, younger I, level, I, some of that, yes. Yeah. I agree. But on, on a college level, completely agree. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Totally. Yep. And so, after high school, where did you go to college? Talk about your college experience. Man, so, I, um, I, uh, I, I stuck with, you know, there, there was some family legacy uh, attending uh, a historically black college and university called Oakwood College uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. So 
Um, I got an academic scholarship to go there. Um, <laughs> transparently, uh, I wanted to take uh, a couple of the baseball scholarships that I actually got and not attend. Um, but my parents convinced me to check it out for a year. Um, that I was blessed to, you know, get an academic scholarship down there, which was really important, uh, you know, for me. And so uh, I went down there, man, and, and um, you know, funny enough, my last two years of high school, I actually attended a school called My Ford Academy, which uh, is one of four all-black boarding academies in the United States of America. Uh, so it's actually a historic um, black high school, um, boarding school specifically. So it uh, was a really cool experience for me. Um, you know, smaller classrooms, which, you know, helped me, uh, you know, just kind of have a really, you know, solid academic, you know, kind of experience. And, um, you know, for anybody who's gone to, you know, kind of a, a historically black college or university, um, just the history, um, you know, <laughs> you, you opened up asking me about music. And you know that, um, you know, at least my last year, uh, I sang in a choir down there. Um, yeah, I think, school. I, I think it's a prereq that you have to be able to sing to attend that to university. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible <laughs> the musicians <laughs> that come out of that university. No, I don't, did you know? Did you know? Um, you know, rest in peace, man. You know, uh, Little Richard went there, right? Yes, I did he know was that. Just, and he was just—he was actually just memorialized um, back at Oakwood. Yeah, no. uh, and I think that was earlier this week. Yeah, so mm. you know, Little Richard, Brian McKnight. Uh, take six. Take six, yeah. Um, man, you know, it's, it's a long list, man. So I'm not going to, you know, we, we'd have, but that's a whole <laughs> True story, true story, true story. You know, a, lot of, a lot of musicians who came up out of there, man. But, um, you know, went to school. Um, I walked on to the basketball team and uh, actually ended up with the first injury of my life. Um, what happened? You know, so I walked on freshman year and I broke my left hand. Um, you know, two days before the first game. Um, so ended up kind of sitting out uh, that first year. Um, but that allowed me to actually, you know, um, you know, stick with the books. You know, right. thankfully I had a great roommate. He was a biology major, so he was always in the library. And so with my hand, the cast, I was just going to the library. And, um, you know, that kind of allowed me to be, become more of a preferred walk-on. And I played sophomore and junior year. And then uh, I'm taking you back. Point, how did you break your? Uh, how did you break it? Yeah. So in practice, um, you know, little screen and roll action. Uh, I was playing on the second team, and, and uh, you know, screen and roll. Um, dropped a bounce pass to you know my power forward. There ended up being like a scramble. Um, you know, the ball or something kind of shot back into my thumb. You know, and as any athlete, right? You know, we jam fingers and stuff all the time. Um, and so I actually just thought it was a really, you know, tough jam, but, you know, my, my, my thumb got pushed back. Um, and, uh, you know, they gave me some ice, you know, wrapped it up and just kept it iced, you know, overnight. Uh, and in the morning I woke up and, you know, my thumb was like triple the size. Triple the size yeah, so it just, blew up. You know, went, yeah, went to the, went to the doctor the next day. They said I, you know, I, I had fractured, um, had a fracture basically like all the way across my head. Wow. Um, and you know, a point guard with no left hand is kind of, you know, yeah, it's not a point guard. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what um, was, uh, so yeah, so I was out for uh, for about eight weeks. And, you know, that was that was enough to, you know, basically kind of call it uh, my freshman year anyway. Uh, you know, done. But I. Uh, what did you major you know, in? Play. 
So I was a biology major when I first came. Okay. Um, uh, they started like, like your roommate. Man, yeah. So um, I, I had taken a lot of advanced science classes uh, in high school. And, um, you know, but when I went to college, I wasn't really sure. So I, uh, I started off in biology, and they started talking about these lab reports and stuff like that. And I just said, you know, I, I don't want to be a doctor that bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually went undecided, man. Um, mm. I went undecided freshman year. You know, band got a lot of my, you know, kind of general courses, and then um, I think it was it might even have been end of uh, first semester of my sophomore year uh, that I, I declared business. So uh, I did business management. Um, you know, undergrad, and you know, thankfully I had a lot of mentors who. You know, just told me, hey, you know, if you want to go the business route, then go management because it'll give you a really broad understanding of you know business, and you can go in a lot of different directions. And so, um, I ended up graduating with a degree in business management. And so, I think I cut you off earlier, but you were saying with basketball, you played your sophomore and junior year. Is there anything else you wanted to say as it relates to basketball? Yeah, I was just say that, you know, going in going into senior year, I had a decision to make where it was kind of like, you know, um. Five nine, you know, at that point probably like buck sixty five, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm playing for you know an HBCU, which you know at that point we were like independent, like NAI school or something like that. So, um, you know, it was just like let me let me make a, a, a decision about what I want to do with the rest of my life. Uh, and as much as I love playing sports, you know, can I find? Uh, you know, like a different route, just kind of focus on some other things. So I decided not to, not to play basketball my senior year, um, and randomly, like, uh, ended up uh, singing in the choir, and uh, you know, at that point, just kind of you know planning kind of what I was going to do, uh, you know, post college. Uh, at that point. And so, speaking of post college, thought came to mind. So you went to this historically historically uh, black high school. Same yep. thing at the collegiate level. How was it transitioning into the corporate world for you? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was actually fine for me, man. Um, you know, the, the funny part is, you know, you, if you circle back, and it's great that you started kind of at my roots, right? So I grew up in one of the most diverse, you know, little towns because of that university that was there. Uh, from kindergarten all the way up through, you know, my sophomore year of high school, while I was still there, um, you know, I had classmates from Japan, China, um, you know, Zambia, Russia, I mean, literally everywhere, uh, you know, from around the world. And so, um, you know, that was really my foundation prior to going to boarding school for my last two years of high school. It makes sense. Um, so it was, it, was, it was easy for me. And, um, you know, also my sophomore year of college, um, I ended up getting a, a, uh, an internship uh, at a law firm in Washington, D.C., um, and also my junior year. So I worked at a law firm, a uh, pretty large law firm in Washington, D.C., my sophomore and junior years of college as well. Um, so I think that, you know, my exposure, um, you know, at that point, like, it, it made it just a, a really seamless transition for me uh, into the corporate world. Awesome. So sticking with the corporate world, your professional yeah career in your journey there's a lot of highlights there from working with large corporations such as gallup what comes to mind when i ask you the question like name some of your career highlights and talk about your journey oh man highlights so 
Um, funny enough, I think I think uh, you know one of the highlights I would say is is uh, actually working with uh, you know my first startup, uh, which was a company that uh, you know we all know well because uh, that's actually where we went. So. I wrote the business plan uh, and feasibility study for this company that was going to be wholly owned by professional athletes. Um, you know, and, and I think the concept and you know overall was just amazing. I got to meet some amazing you know, former professional athletes and current professional athletes, uh, and so that was a, a an amazing way to start. Kind of you know my last my last year of grad school until about a year and a half or so after. Um, so that was great. Um, while at Gallup, uh, I ended up getting promoted and, and moved up to D.C. Um, and, and while there, just, you know, um, that's actually kind of my foray into healthcare. So I got an opportunity to take over uh, the Northeast region for the healthcare practice, um, you know, at that point, And then shortly after, took over the Mid-Atlantic region for the healthcare practice as well. And so I worked uh, with a lot of hospitals and healthcare systems. Um, you know, specifically focused around culture, um, you know, engagement, like employee engagement, um, you know, culture development, and, uh, you know, what I like to, the phrase I like to use is really driving change through people. Um, like, you know, when you met me, I was the head of HR and, you know, some other things. And so that, that's, that's been great. And then, you know, most recently, um, being chief of staff, um, you know, for a company that specifically, uh, focuses on healthcare, um, and we had a uh, we had a really you know large event you know, last year where um, we transitioned uh, private equity owners, um, and so moving into uh, you know being being a part of that process uh, of selling our company, uh, I think was you know just truly amazing, uh, especially as I think about my future, um, you know, and, and, and where I'm looking to go. So those are probably three things that really pop out. Very nice, very nice. Take you back. Driving change through people. Break that down for us. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, concepts, you know, that's, that's a phrase that I've, I've been saying for, for years now. Um, it, and it really came from a belief that, you know, uh, if you think most recently, then uh, technology is huge, right? And so, uh, a lot of people are attempting to, you know, drive change through technology. And I think as long as we live, you know, um, you know, other people, future generations, I think technology is going to continue to become more and more important in our lives. Um, you know, if you go back to, you know, say the 80s uh, and, and 90s, people were thinking about process, right? So Lean, Six Sigma, um, you know, those kind of concepts were really to drive efficiency. And so they were trying to use processes to drive change. Um, but the one constant, whether you're talking about processes or technology, are people, right? You have to be able to, um, you know, convince, coach, develop, influence your people to uphold those processes, to utilize technology, not have workarounds, etc. And so I, I, I found it to be, you know, the one constant really among all companies is there's a significant challenge in driving change through people. You can spend amazing amounts of money on technology and do the same to hire consultants to build you great processes. But if you can't drive that change through your people, then you basically just wasted your money. Um, and, and numerous organizations do that. 
Uh, but I've just been blessed not only with a talent and ability to be able to do that, um, you know, directly, because I've, I've done it through consulting, and I've also done it uh, as a head of HR, um, you know, for a hospital and, and some other things. Um, but a lot of organizations have some challenges, uh, significant challenges, driving change through people. I like that. I like Does that. that. Make sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. And um, so with that, like developing the individual um, and also another piece of that is celebrating the people as well and making sure that, that they feel appreciated. And so this makes me think about, you know, during this, during this time of uh, this pandemic is I see the um, how people do business is going to change. I mean, we we're speaking now via Zoom. Uh, a lot of yeah. companies are doing the same thing, whether it's WebEx, Zoom. Like, what is your thoughts about the change in a shift that the pandemic is bringing as it relates to business? So, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, it's an unfortunate, um, you know, event, but I think, uh, some of the, some of the results have, uh, have been phenomenal and I think they'll actually improve, uh, we'll see significant, uh, improvements in productivity. Uh, because if you think about it, you know, even working from home, right. I mean, um, some of the most progressive organizations in the world, you know, uh, you know, maybe had like flex work schedules, but working from home hasn't been widely adopted by a lot of organizations, right? Right. But in a short amount of time, literally thousands and you know millions of people uh, and thousands of organizations have had to stand up, you know, their employees working from home, and and you know. We're so blessed, man, because if you think about it, this is the perfect time for something like this to happen because if, if we were growing up, imagine growing up and, you know, worst, like, worst, well, best case scenario, you got, you know, dial-up internet. Right. And then, like, a home, and then a home line that literally is only one line, right? So now, everybody has a cell phone. You can, you know, you can do call waiting. You have all that. You know, if you have technology where you can Zoom or FaceTime or WebEx. Um, so it's, it's arguably, you know, one of the, you know, the best times in history to do that. But I think that it really accelerated, like, working from home. And I think that um, it, we're going to see significant, significant improvements in productivity and also the overall well-being uh, of employees uh, for organizations. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be really interesting to see. And I know we'll both be uh, monitoring it. And it's especially you, I mean, with your uh, consulting as well. So I know you're going, to, you're going to have a close eye on that. Transitioning, transitioning a little bit. You and your wife um, are one of our, our significant donors. You've been supporting from the early onset. And so why is our mission of coaching young student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. So why is that important to you all and why do you all support it? Great question, man. So thanks and thanks for asking and thanks for your leadership. Um, you know, I think a, a huge reason actually goes back to that concept that we talked about a little bit earlier, right? Um, driving change through people. And so, um, as we think about, you know, Orange Arrow, you know, what it stands for, um, you know, not only, you know, kind of my history in sports, um, my wife didn't play sports, but loved sports. Um, and so we really see sports as kind of a microcosm of life, right? And to be able to give people a foundation 
um, you know, not only in you know the physical aspects of sports, but also mental strength. Um, you know, uh, a, a focus on um, you know, as we were talking about, like the dinner and you know, etiquette, and, you know, just building uh, really strong, grounded people. Um, I think is going to be so significant as you think about once again driving change later on. And so, you know, for us, um, we just felt a really strong connection, um, you know, to the organization, uh, what you've been able to build, um, you know, seeing the impact and being able to talk to you as you're sharing the stories of, you know, um, you know, graduates, you know, through the program, and also seeing just the progression uh, and growth of the program overall um, has been huge for us. Um, and, you know, it doesn't hurt that, uh, you know, we also have a strong belief in you, um, uh, both in being just a, uh, a guy who, you know, one, I think is just a character, you know, extremely, extremely strong character guy like yourself. Uh, and we were, we were actually really impressed and I'm, I'm thinking about this now, uh, when we came to the, uh, the, the black tie, you know, uh, the ball, in Pittsburgh. yeah, yeah. Um, which was uh, which was phenomenal, and, and ever since then, it just uh, you know it's been it's been huge for us. Um, we're always looking for ways to give back, but you know definitely um, you know the mission uh, and some of those pieces that I just shared are, are huge for us as far as you know finding ways to give back. Awesome, thank you. Because it takes a village, and so I can't do it alone. My team can't do it alone. It takes all of us in order to help create the change and as you said driving driving change through people and so that's that's just a little different on spending on it so as we close i want you to react to this only dream big only dream big talk to us about it man so another another phrase that uh you know um a few years ago i came up with man and i think that it, it's rooted in the fact, um, I'll, I'll tie this back into, you know, born to be champions, right? I believe that uh, we all have unique, uh, innate gifts and talents that no one else has in the world. And so one of my passions and one of my missions in life is to not only encourage people to dream as big as they possibly can, uh, but also to do everything in my power to help simplify their dreams into actionable steps, um, you know, for them to actually be, uh, to show them that their dreams can be achieved and also inspire them to action. And so when I think about Only Dream Big, um, it's a phrase that I use often. Um, I, I see a lot of people, you know, as you talked about, just you know, kind of saying it differently, uh, but I see that as something that you're instilling, um, you know, not only in your staff and team, um, you know, with Orange Arrow, but also the students, um, encouraging them to dream as big as they possibly can, understanding that, you know, another phrase that I often say, that the world is waiting for you, right? I mean, we all have this unique gift, and there's no one else in the world, uh, just as a perfect example, there's no one else in the world who could actually deliver on Orange Arrow uh, and the concept and vision of Orange Arrow in a way that, you know, Sean Robinson could do that, right? Like, Literally nobody in the world could deliver on that in the same way. And so um, that's just my encouragement to anyone who hears this, uh, you know, or after, you know, feel free to reach out to you, you know, um, you know, putting their children into, you know, Orange Arrow as often as they can, just understanding that, you know, not 
the children be inspired, but also uh, I'm, uh, my hope and prayer is that you know, adults, parents, families, you know, once again, thousands of people um, you know, will be inspired to once again only dream big and just realize that uh, you know, anything that you dream is actually achievable. Very well said. Very well said. And now I see why people pay you to consult with them on their business. Because that was a nice little tie-in there with the only dream big. Can't nobody do it like you. That was good, man. You had it. I was looking for my checkbook. Looking for my checkbook. Bro. Check the mailbox. Man, well, uh, for those who want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Whether it's LinkedIn or anything you want to share. Yeah, so, uh, you know, definitely from a professional standpoint, uh, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I should be there as, uh, I believe, Donald, uh, parentheses, Donnie, you know, L. Bedney, uh, the third, <laughs> um, you know, on there. So, Donnie Bedney, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn. And then also, um, you know, I'm on Instagram, um, uh, Only Dream Big Inc., I believe, um, you know, is my, is my tag now on there. And, you know, tend to post, you know, uh, some things, whether it's, uh, you know, some just thoughts uh, and other inspirational things that I have, or, you know, probably most recently, uh, you'll, you'll find a lot of photos of my daughter, Sophie. So, beautiful. Um, you can follow me there. Awesome. Awesome. Again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. I do need a shirt, though. When I only dream big, shirts release. I need it. <laughs> I need it, bro. We're going to have a problem, man. I need that swag. No doubt. Thank you no for doubt. your time. You're going to be on the, you're, you're, you, uh, you've already put, uh, you know, that out to the world. Um, you got it on the pod now. You told me this when we were talking about the concept the other day. So I got you on the short list, man. Just you and my brother, uh, you know, are going to be the first guys that, that uh, have shirts. That's so. what's up. And, and, and so it's important to support each other. So we're paying for it. So I buy my, myself, no my wife, and probably some other fan members. So, yeah, no, no freebies. You know what I mean? We support no each other. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you, dog. That's fair. Appreciate you, man. Peace.